From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. This episode is all about huge paradigm shifts that took place during the beginning stages of my recovery, these eye-opening moments that really changed my perspective in how I viewed myself. So it's a really powerful episode today. But before I get into this episode, I want to go over your comments on last week's episode 128, which was on uh, the formation of identities and how the people around us, like our parents, our role models when we are young, can impact on our identity, how we see ourselves, and how these programs continue to run us even until we die at an old age, unless we uninstall these programs because these programs become outdated, right? How do you know that your parents' programs, the the teachers that you looked up to in, in elementary school, how do you know that their beliefs were not negative? Because just because they said something to you when you were a child, just because they told you some things when you were a child, doesn't mean that those were right. So when we get older in life, it's important to venture off into the unknown and to explore new ideas and to open up your perspective in this episode is a great one to follow up on last week's episode because this episode I'm talking about that change in perspective, that paradigm shift, the moment when things started to change for me, the the moments that really opened my eyes to how I was acting in the past, how I was behaving in the past that I didn't even know I was doing. I didn't even know these behaviors were increasing my anxiety and also increasing my dependency. So Murphy M leaves a comment saying, I really connected with this episode because not until recently, I noticed I was continuing to replay the same beliefs and ideas I had since I was a young boy. Thanks for this. Thank you, Murphy, for your comment. You're going to relate a lot to this episode because I talk about how I noticed certain actions that I was doing every day that was contributing to to my dependent personality and my anxious identity. So you're going to relate to this episode. Isabel Blake says, I'm grateful I found a podcast that really speaks my language Thank you, Isabel, for your comment. Shamza B says, You see it all the time. People in their 50s or 60s who still run these programs from when they were young. I tend to repel from them. 
even unconsciously, like you say, these programs need to be uninstalled. Beautifully put, Shamza. Thank you for your comment. Let's get into this episode, these eye-opening moments that I experienced during my recovery. The first one was I was doing things every day that contributed to my anxious identity. And so I was doing things like leaving get-togethers early, avoiding work, giving one-word answers during conversations because I was so hyper-focused on my internal world, going to the bathroom every 30 minutes because I believed I was flushing toxins from my body uh, because of how much water I was drinking, right? I was drinking a lot of wild water because I believed I was flushing toxins out of my body. Googling symptoms, another habit I was doing daily that I didn't know was contributing to my identity. Reassurance seeking, being around people close to me, family, for reassurance, talking about my symptoms a lot. Phoning my doctor often, a big one. Spending too much time at home in my safe zone, right? If you spend too much time in your safe zone and you avoid, if you avoid work, you avoid difficult scenarios, then you're not going to develop that self-respect. You're not going to develop that mental strength, right? And you also develop agoraphobia, which I eventually developed. Also, touching parts of my body constantly. These were all habits that I had no idea I was doing daily. And while the question really is, how did I figure out I was doing these habits? Well, just like you're listening to this podcast and me describing these habits, when I was going through my recovery... I began to listen to uh, a mentor of mine that described all of these habits. And I was immediately like, whoa, I'm, I'm doing all of these things. This person is, is me. This person is doing all of these things that I do. Oh my God. And so I asked myself, these habits keep my anxiety alive? And when I found out these habits are a sign that I have anxiety, I experienced this huge paradigm shift, a, a change in perspective, seeing another side to the coin. And I wasn't in so much chaos anymore. I was finding answers to what has been going on for such a long time, this confusion. I was in this limbo for such a long time that when I discovered that, oh wait, these habits are because I am anxious, I have anxiety, that label of anxiety and health anxiety moved me from this domain of 
chaotic, unknown, unknown to known, unknown. And what that means is before when I was suffering from health anxiety, I didn't know that this symptom, what this symptom meant. I didn't know what these sensations meant. And I didn't know that these sensations and symptoms were because I had anxiety. And so the known unknown is, oh, it's anxiety. So it's known. It's a label of anxiety. But it's also unknown because I don't know, I didn't know much about anxiety, right? So anxiety is still unknown to me, but at least it's some known territory. And that meant I had some control now because, well, I started to feel like because I was doing these habits that negatively impacted my mental health, I have the power now to change those habits and thus improve my anxiety and get to a better place in my life, to get to a place where my mentors were, right? The second eye-opening moment was this sensation is not a fatal disease, but caused by the anxiety response that was a big one because each sensation each strange sensation sent me more into panic mode and each sensation led to catastrophic thoughts cancer disease and it's well definitely dr google didn't help with that at all so when in fight, flight, or freeze response, a wide range of strange feelings comes about, inevitably. Body pains, body zaps, racing heartbeat, shallow breathing, lightheadedness, shallow depth of field, constant urination, brain fog, nausea, upset digestion, so many different sensations come about. Well, the question is why? Well, a huge realization for me was that the amygdala, the part of the brain that initiates the fight, flight, or freeze response, it takes over all other brain processes. Why? Well, to respond to danger without any cortical thinking. It needs to operate so quick so that we don't get bit by that snake. By the time you think about jumping back from the snake, you would have already been bit. So when the amygdala takes over, you feel out of control. And this was something I experienced all the time. You feel like a robot. I felt like I couldn't control my thoughts or my body movements or I couldn't get a grip over reality. And that was depersonalization, feeling outside of yourself. And one of the symptoms of depersonalization is when you're, when you're walking, you don't feel like you're in control of your legs. And also the world seems like it's tilting underneath your feet in that you're losing balance, right? And so 
when the amygdala takes over, you're in stress mode, right? And for those sensations and symptoms, the reason for those is because of all of the cortisol and adrenaline running through your body because of the anxiety response. When your body is in threat detection mode, it needs to pump more oxygen to the parts of your body that respond to threat. Just like your heart, right? Your body needs to pump more blood to the parts that are responding to the danger. So you're feeling the hyperventilation, the shallow depth, the shallow breathing because of that oxygen pumping, pumping because of your lungs pumping that oxygen to the parts of, the, of your body that need to respond to the threat. And your heart is working the same way. Your heart is pumping more blood to your limbs because if you need to fight this threat, it needs you to have that blood at your limbs or to run away from that threat, you need that more blood to run to your legs to run out of there. So your heart is beating faster. And so that's why it can be overwhelming for an anxiety sufferer or health anxiety sufferer to respond to their heartbeat as having a heart attack or their chest pains as a heart attack. But underneath the surface, what your body's doing is it's responding to a perceived danger. Your body's just working like it's been working for the hundreds of thousands of years that this anxiety response has been has been there for us, right? We've been evolving this anxiety response for all of that time. And so it's so evolved that it's unconscious, that it, it just operates at an unconscious level. And so when you are in this anxiety response, your digestion becomes compromised and less active. Well, why? Because while you're worrying about this threat, there's no need to worry about food at this time. You're responding to a perceived danger. That's more important. So if somebody's suffering from anxiety 24-7, then they won't have as much of an appetite. And that was the same for me. I always struggled to get food down when I was in anxiety mode. And so when you are in this response, your body is burning up resources like crazy. So imagine that you constantly leave your phone on charge. What happens? The battery wears out faster. It doesn't hold charge as well as it used to. And then you may even contract an actual physical illness because of how weak your immune system has become. Because now the battery that is your body has become compromised, right? Your immune system has become compromised because your body's burning up resources like crazy. 
The third realization that I experienced was just because I think something doesn't mean it's true and it's who I am. So I want to talk about the shadow here for a moment. Now, Carl Jung talks about the shadow and it's the part of us and it's part of every single human being on this planet and it stems all the way up from hell into us, right? So it is the deep, dark parts of ourselves that we really don't want to confront or we don't want to realize is there. And Russell Brand talks about this at one point in, on his podcast. He says something about if you are aware of these negative thoughts, then that means you're more in tune with your shadow. So if you're holding a baby, for example, say it's, it's your son, your daughter, your nephew, whoever it is, you're holding a baby and you think about throwing the baby onto the ground, dropping the baby. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're unique and those thoughts are only yours. What it means is you're aware of the shadow parts of yourself and you're not going to throw the baby because of how aware you are. It's those people who are not aware of those thoughts and who are not aware of those that shadow part of ourselves that throw the baby. That's the thing. They do it impulsively. It's just like without without thought. So if you think about throwing the baby, that that just means you're more aware of the dark parts of yourself and that's a good thing. And so we can actually loosen our grip over thoughts by how much reactivity we provide those thoughts. So the more I associate myself to a thought, the more it becomes a part of, of me, what I value. Because where you focus your attention on the most is what you value the most. So this led me to being too hard on myself for thinking certain thoughts. I would think about thoughts about my family dying, somebody contracting cancer, and I would be overly critical of those thoughts and why I was thinking those, those thoughts. And I must be crazy. I must be a bad person. And I would beat myself up. And so my self-respect would lessen and lessen and lessen over time. And, and, and that high-powered emotional reaction towards those thoughts would keep those thoughts alive. That's why they would never go away. They would be there and, and haunt me, right? The, the shadow parts of ourselves is the parts that haunt us. Well, we have to we have to go in under we have to go into that shadow part and understand well what's going on there. 
and the people who are more in tune with their shadow are more awakened. And so because I would respond to these thoughts with high emotional power, my unconscious was like, well, this is clearly important to Brad. And not only that, but it's a potential threat, right? I'm, I'm reacting to these thoughts like it's like they're dangerous. So obviously my anxiety is going to increase. My obsessing about those thoughts are going to increase because, well, I'm treating them like they are a threat. And so if I think of a thought that provides me with a negative emotion, I question that thought. And the way I question this thought is I say to myself, is this truly what I want? Is this what I truly want to happen? Do I truly want my family member to get cancer? Do I truly want to throw the baby onto the ground? And then I would say to myself, no, this is not what I truly want. And so when I discover that underlying truth, I immediately disassociate myself from that thought and the thought floats away. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's so powerful. So when you get that negative automatic thought, I want you to use your critical thinking and I want you to say to yourself, is this truly what I want to happen? Is this what I truly want? And you'll discover the underlying truth emerge. No, this is not what I truly want. These negative thoughts will never leave for good. They will always come. No matter how spiritual you are, how awakened you are, doesn't matter if you are the, the most spiritual guru on this planet, these negative thoughts will come. But it's how you react to them that determine how long they linger. So be aware of them. And remember to not attach a label to them. So now when I get a negative thought, I am aware that it's just my shadow making itself known. It's just the dark parts of myself that are making themselves known. I'm aware of it. I don't emotionally react to them. And then it floats off. And for the rest of the, of the day, I don't think about the thought anymore. But before, when I would emotionally react to that thought, it would be there all day, most of the day. But now it would come up once, I would be aware, oh, it's, that, it's the shadow part of, my, of myself. Hey, I'm aware of the thought. That's not who I am. That's not who, what I feel. And the thought floats away. And the thought doesn't survive long. 
And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Remember that I have an anxiety recovery program on my website at unpluganxiety.com. It's a CBT cognitive behavioral therapy and NLP neuro-linguistic programming based program that helps add that structure to the chaos anxiety sufferers find themselves in. So be sure to check out the details of this program at unpluganxiety.com. And remember, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast or video. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.